Welcome to the Unmasked Life Podcast, a podcast to help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential. And now your host, Matt Manny. Hey, this is Matt Manny. Welcome to episode number two, what makes you tick and what ticks you off. We're looking at personalities today. We're going to dump uh, dump in. We're going to dive in. Uh, yeah, we're going to be dumping some bags, baggage that we've got and some views that aren't healthy. But we're going to be diving into understanding personality. And for some people, they love this stuff. Some people hate this stuff. Uh, I've got some uh, friends and some people that I know of. As soon as you get into this conversation, they kind of get they kind of get turned off a little bit because it's like you're trying to manipulate um, them and trying to figure them out. And some people just love mystery. They love being a mystery. They don't like being uh, manipulated or trying to figure out. They don't like being pigeonholed. So um, if that's you, hey, bear with me. I'm hoping that this will kind of change your perspective, change your attitude on it. But if you are are frustrated, I'm going to tell you a story here in just a moment. But if you look at your life and you look at your perspective of yourself and you say, I'm just, what's like, what's wrong with me? My goal by the end of the time that we're done here is that you will, first of all, go to a website and take a test. It's not my website. I don't get any kickbacks for this. It's purely, this is a public service announcement to be able to help and encourage you because of the help and encouragement that I got. But the goal would be is that you go and take this a personality test and then then that statement that is emblazoned, maybe you tattoo it on your forehead, is it's not what's wrong with me, but it's what's right with me. That God created me and here how here's how God created me. Now, here's the deal. This is not like an affirmation, uh, like a feel-good mumbo-jumbo kind of thing. I want to really get to the nuts and bolts and talk about we we have different personalities. Everybody's different, and yet there there's like literally dozens, and maybe um, and I, I think I heard uh, that there's actually hundreds of personality tests. And so uh, somebody out there, if you're listening to this, give me some feedback. Um, find out how many personality tests are out there. Give me some help, and let me know. But I'm sure that just a handful of that I've come across, there's dozens of them, at least that I know of, but I'm sure that there's more out there that people have come up with. So the personality that we're going to look at today, the personality test and the whole process, I want to dive in and tell you a quick story. When I was first in ministry training, I was interning at a church, and in this process of training in the ministry... Um, I was trying to kind of figure my way. I'd gone through five years of Bible college. I transferred in the middle of all that. I ended up having to do an extra year of schooling, and so uh, failed Greek and barely passed my doctorate's class, but hey, I'm pastoring today, so there you go. But as I was going through this whole process, got into an internship, I interned at a church for five years, and really trying to figure out, it was in that internship process that was really a testing and proving ground for me. And a part of that time, I really wrestled with uh, what's my voice and what's my personality. And I, I knew what I loved to a degree. I knew what I hated, but there's some problems in my personality, things that I didn't like about myself. And I couldn't figure out why in the midst of situations, there were some circumstances that I would fight people, some circumstances I would I would uh, fight them or, you know, flight, as you've heard before, even freeze. So I'd give one of those responses. And... And there's a, a time when I was working in a, cl- in a kids' class, and uh, I don't remember if it was like a Wednesday night kids' program or uh, something like that, but the feedback had gotten back to the parents that things were kind of unruly in the class. And so it didn't bode well for me as being the teacher, as a young guy in my mid-20s or so, newly married, and trying to find my way. And I, I wanted to be the fun teacher. I wanted to help the kids. I My personality, I'm not uh, a confrontational kind of guy. I'm not... Uh, like domineering, demanding, um, but as far as I self awareness goes, but I remember I, I would try to to have fun with the kids and tease the kids and make it fun and enjoyable and engaging, but it didn't work. It totally bombed, totally failed. So it got word got back to the parents that things were getting kind of rowdy. Uh, ended up sending kids in with their parents for the service, things like that. Well, it got back to one of the uh, one of the pastors that was kind of overseeing the thing, and he came and approached me and said, "Listen." Um, if you can't handle this, you need to talk to these kids and set them straight. And if you can't do it, then I'll come do it for you. Well, him saying that just tr- trumped on my sense of self-respect and kind of kind of like embarrassed me a little bit, but it got through to me. I got it. And so the next 
time that we met for this kids program, I lit these kids up. I yelled at them and I got real stern and angry and they settled and uh, they listened up and it kind of fixed things. But the decision that I made to go that direction, I think to some degree, it, it broke something a little bit in, in, in me and in my connection with those kids. And, and as I got, came away from that, it, it, not that it wasn't a right fit for me, but it, it wasn't me. And responding that way, yelling and getting angry. And yeah, there's been times where I've, in the midst of conflict, I've gotten angry and, and yelled at my kids or my wife or something like that. And that's being transparent with you. But to go in and forcibly, um, premeditatively to yell at a bunch of little kids, that just, it wasn't me. And so to be stern like that, so I was thinking, what's what's wrong with me? Why can't I pull this off better? Why is it that when I get stern, it's like I just drop a, a hand grenade and there's bodies lying all over, over the place? Even in my relationships, when I would try to do that and feeling like I wasn't domineering or commanding enough, things just fell apart. So fast forward then, um, I graduated and uh, you know passed and graduated out of that internship program, we ended up starting the church uh, just outside of Philadelphia, and we were in the process. Amanda and I were running different uh, programs and different events in our church, and so this is probably, oh man, oh man, this is probably like three or four years ago, we had a marriage retreat, and we our church is small, and so we only had just a handful of couples, maybe five or six couples at the time, but we had planned to do this getaway at a hotel down in Maryland, and it was going to be a Friday night into a Saturday morning, and we were super excited excited. And so um, actually it was uh, down in uh, Jersey, in Cape May. That's where it was. And so we had planned to have this awesome getaway at the Jersey Shore and to be able to have the couple spend some time together and understand themselves. So in the years previous, I had always kind of done some teaching, but it was hard because we were the youngest couple. So how do you stand there and talk to people who are, you know, been married for you longer than you and who are older than you and have more life experience. And so it's kind of unsettling to some degree. It's a little bit of pride and cockiness on my part. But anyway, we decided to go ahead and and call an audible and get some help and do a... Uh, we had other speakers in before, but we couldn't afford that this year. So we decided to just show a video. So we're looking for good marriage uh, conference material via DVD or some kind of video material. So I just looking online and Googling all kinds of different stuff and seeing all kinds of videos. There's Love and Respect with uh, Emerson Egridge, and then there's the um, Art of Marriage with um, the guys from uh, Family Life Today, and there's Focus on the Family stuff. Well, then I came across stuff from a guy named Mark Unger. And so, by the way, let me take a timeout and a parenthesis here to say this, that uh, just like you see on YouTube where people... Um, they they kind of cover a song. It's not their song, but it's like, hey, here's my acapella uh, beatbox version, or here's my piano guys playing the piano and the cello version of this song. And so they kind of do their own take on it. Well, the material that I'm going to give you is from this guy named Mark Unger. He's got a, a, a program, an organization called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. He does marriage conferences. Some of this material that I'm going to share with you is a part of one of the sessions from his conference. We've actually gone to two of his conferences. So I'm a little bit of a fanboy. Uh, maybe one day we can have him on the podcast. But this test that I found... Um, that was a part of his program is called the flag page test. And so you can jot this down, flagpage.com, flagpage, F-L-A-G-P-A-G-E, flagpage.com. And so this test is about discovering your heart. It's about discovering how you tick. It's about figuring out what's right with you, not wrong with you. And so it's, I say personality, but he says it's not really a personality test. It's more of what motivates you and how you uh, are motivated to engage in how you see life. And so uh, we'll dive in here in just a minute uh, and talk about how this whole test works and really the main parts of the test to kind of give you a heads up and hopefully whet your appetite enough that you'll want to actually take the test. But I took the test sitting in my couch late at night, and it was uh, early, um, I guess it was the um, uh, winter time, I guess January, February or something, a couple weeks uh, before we were going to kick off this couple's uh, getaway. Took the test, and the first part of the test is there's 56 traits are 55 or 56 traits that are laid out in this in this uh, screen. So I paid, it was like 15 bucks at the time. I think it's 25 now. So typed in my information, 
click purchase, and so the screen jumps up and there's uh, like a little video of Mark Unger and he says, hey, thanks so much for taking this test. And what I want you to do now is pick uh, all the traits that make sense to you that ring true. And so the traits were things, uh, all, all kinds of different things, things from um, good listener, easygoing, laid back to independent, natural born leader, uh, showman, um, uh, financially savvy, interest in um, people, loves to talk, loves to stay behind the scenes, faithful, inspirational, independent, uh, musical, um, thrives on encouragement, competent, creative, so all these different things. And so even as I say those words, I don't know if anything kind of strikes a chord for you, but the whole goal was, he says, is to look at these words, and then as you rolled your cursor, rolled your mouse over the word, that would pop up and have kind of a definition, a quick rundown, and some synonyms for that word. And so he said, you know, move through it pretty quickly. Don't dwell on things, because you don't want to, like, um, kind of hack, hack the system, because if you click too many things, it, you know, it can get kind of crazy. But the goal was is to click what matters to you most, what really strikes a chord. So... I picked, I picked the things that matter to me. Then the next page, it says, okay, of all these things, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important are they to you? So it whittles down then from the list of like 56 traits down to however many you picked. So if you picked a few, then you determine out of the few how important they are. If you picked a lot, then you determine out of all those on a scale of 1 to 10 how important they are. So you have to have at least five traits that you are really passionate about, like a 7 to 10 range. So the goal is that you can say, I really, these things really tick, uh, make me tick. They really, and if it's not happening, it ticks me off. So went through, uh, did the scale, uh, some stuff. I said, like, I like it, but it's like a five. Uh, I like it, and it's like a seven or ten even. So some stuff that I clicked on, I was like, yeah, I'm really, really, this matters to me a lot. Next page then you go to, it says, of all these then, you have to pick out your top five and prioritize them in list of from first to last place of A, B, C, D, and E. So just your top five. So you, not to rank them all, but just pick out your top five and then prioritize them in A, B, C, D, and E. So first to last. From there, you hit submit, and then it kind of compiles and processes uh, all your information, and then it kicks out this amazing uh, rundown of uh, really a picture, a portrait of you, not a literal picture of you, but a description of how you're wired and how you tick. And so as you, uh, as I started reading this, it just blew me away because I was reading through this description of this person, and it says, Matt Manny is like this. And then I started reading this description that uh, basically said, you primarily uh, see life this way. And so it said, when it comes to things, you can be, you're an idealist and you're super uh, consistent with uh, trying to uh, tackle a problem. And so if you can't figure it out, you really have a hard time giving up because being faithful to your relationships and friendships and being loyal is very important to you. And I was like, yeah, that's that's, that's me. And then it, it went on to say that you thrive on being encouraged and you love to hear from other people and get feedback from people and that's positive. And you really struggle though with negative feedback and criticism. You also love to be sincere at heart and be authentic. And you find yourself being sincere uh, and you express that through very creative ways. And then most, uh, last of all, you find yourself that you want to know about life and have a competency and understand things. And so as I went through this, I was like, wow, yeah, this, like, this really rings true. This totally makes sense. Then it uh, describes and talks about um, basically, what it describes is four different countries, and these different countries have some very strong uh, descriptions and characteristics that define them and how they view life, how they view themselves, and really um, how what they want or what they need in life, and then how they're wired, how they operate, how they tick, um, and what they're like at their best, what they're like at their worst. And then it goes on and says that this is their their predominant place that they like to live. And if they can't be there, there's a secondary nature, a secondary, uh, uh, what they call a country that they like to be in. And so as I looked, and it says you are primarily, and I'll get into these descriptions here in a minute, but you love to, your country is the perfect country. You love things to be predictable and you like things to uh, move forward kind of like on train tracks and you like to have hope. And so I was like, yeah, that's totally me. And then it said your adopted country is the peace country where you are uh, like to be, uh, have things be peaceful and ha and like things to go well between people. 
Um, you don't like to uh, cause problems. You struggle with being a people pleaser. And it was just describing to a T uh, how I really understood myself. And all of a sudden, it was like sitting down with a mentor and somebody saying, here, this is what I see in you that's right with you. And it blew me away. Because here's the, and here's the sad reality. Up until that point, I was uh, probably in my early 30s. I had never once in my life had somebody sit down with me and say, to a specific point, this is what I see in you, and this is what's right about you. Now, I had my parents and my, my wife, Amanda, and I, have, I had friends say, hey, uh, we love you, and hey, you're really good at, you know, you're good at talking, you're uh, preaching, um, you're good at, you know, this or that. But I'd never have had a chance to have a situation where somebody sat down and said, this is specifically what I see in you, this is how you're wired, this is how, how you tick. And this is what's right about you. And it blew me away. It totally changed my perspective on myself. And so as I started, uh, continued to read and understand uh, about these uh, four countries, about, it goes on then to say that we are soft or hard-natured or a mixture of both. And then it wraps up with your flag. Then it shows this uh, page of this colorful flag, and it's broken up into five different parts, and it talks about the five different characteristics. So for me, number one is being faithful. Number one, uh, number two is uh, that I thrive on encouragement, that I love to encourage people, and I love to be encouraged. And sincere at heart, that I like to be authentic and real as I can with people. That also means being vulnerable and open with people. Some people, they like that. Some people don't like that. Transparency makes them uncomfortable. But I'm understanding and uh, finding out how to work that in my relationships. And then I also was creative. I love creativity. I love color. I love art. I love uh, writing. I love singing. Um, uh, there's, I took, uh, it was a, a bombed stint of life where I actually was a music major at a college and took voice and piano and <laughs> piano as a miter. Didn't, didn't go well, but I play guitar for my church on Sunday morning, so, but I love creativity. And then last of all is competency, and that's really being a pastor, trying to know my stuff and understand the Bible. I love to read. I love to study and understand things. I love to understand people. Um, but it really was a full picture of who I was, and it broke it down. as very logical, very colorful, um, very um, illustrative understanding of me. And so my encouragement to you, it, I hope at this point, hopefully something's striking a chord for you where you say, I, I want to figure this out. I want to take this test. I'll make this, I'll tell you this little allegory, this little parable of sorts, and then we'll jump into talking about the four countries, and then we'll wrap up the episode for today. So the quick story is this. Imagine yourself that you are going to go on a, a boat out into the ocean and do a deep sea dive. Now, the the wetsuit that you have, you're not going to use scuba tanks. You're going to use the old-time uh, diving apparatus, where if you remember the old canvas suit, so you climb into the old canvas suit, and the sea captain says, hey, we're at the spot for you to dive and go below the surface. So they cut the engines, and they drop anchor, and so you're kind of sitting there bobbing out there in the middle of the ocean, you're pulling on your your canvas, uh, those big heavy-weighted boots, so you put your feet in those, and you pull the rest of the suit up around, and they zip you up in the back, and so you get all locked in, you put on the hand, uh, the gloves, and they kind of lock in there as well around the wrist, and they click in place, and then the next, the last piece, next, uh, next to last piece is this, is the helmet, the diving helmet, and so if you remember those old pictures, uh, the old movies where they'd have somebody dive in that diving suit, it's that big bulbous kind of brass uh, mask that they put on, kind of like a 2,000 Leagues Under the Sea, you know, Jules Verne uh, looking thing. And what's coming out of it, normally you have coming out of the diving suit, uh, whether it's the, you know, uh, um, back of the suit somewhere, or maybe it's the, the, the helmet part, is a hose, an air hose, an oxygen hose for you to be able to breathe. Now, with this, in this case, you don't just have one, you have five. You've got five air hoses, strangely enough, but just go, go with me. So you get your suit on, they get you all locked, locked into play, you, you check your gauges for your oxygen reading, and you see that your oxygen's going, you check your communications, yep, they can hear you clearly, you can hear them clearly, and then you climb over the ladder and begin to descend down the side of the boat, and then you begin to submerse under the water. As you're going under the water, you, you go from seeing uh, uh, the world around you, the horizon, and you go below and you break that horizon point. You go below the surface and you enter into a whole other world. 
And in this whole other world, you find yourself looking around, you see fish, and you see beautiful a beautiful coral reef, and you see uh, plants and all kinds of creation down there. And as you're exploring around, as you're going on this adventure, all of a sudden, you find yourself that you're getting a little lightheaded. And you look at your oxygen reading, and you see that your oxygen is being depleted. And you can't understand because uh, you can sense that that the oxygen hose has not been kinked, it's not been... Kind of, kind of held up or curled up. So you you talk through your communication, your radio up to the surface, and you say, "Hey guys, what's going on up there? I I see my oxygen reading is kind of low." And so they make some adjustments and say, oh, "Okay, sorry, sorry about that. No problem. Uh, hopefully, uh, check your oxygen reading now." And all of a sudden, you feel this uh, this rush, and and you take a deep breath, and you can breathe once again freely. So then you're kind of worried though. Should you come back up? Should you abort your mission? Should you stop doing your exploration down below under the surface, and you say, hey, guys, are we good to keep going? And they say, yeah, yeah, uh, just a small technical difficulty. But that doesn't give you peace of mind. You say, well, explain to me what the technical difficulty is. Am I good to go? And they radio back down and say, yeah, just uh, somebody up here, they were stepping on your air hose. And you're thinking, what? Why aren't they being more careful? Why are they stepping on my air hose? And what's amazing about this, this, this simple little illustration, this simple little story, is that that's pretty much how life is. When you're in a situation, whether it's work or your home relationships or your family relationships or a friendship, and you find yourself frustrated, like you're hitting your head against a brick wall, like there's some kind of impasse for you, where you find yourself, you cannot put your finger on it, but you find yourself being discouraged. You feel like nobody can understand you. You feel like people just are speaking a foreign language and that you almost begin to feel this aloneness and isolation. And there could be literally uh, uh, dozens of people around you and you go to work and there's hundreds of people there and you have uh, thousands of friends on Facebook and social media and yet you feel so like nobody understands you and you feel like you're losing your oxygen and you're trying to keep your head above water. Why? Could it be that somebody's stepping on your air hose? Now, here's what the air hose is. Those five ways that you're motivated that you'll find when you take the flag page test, those five ways that you are wired, whether it's a natural born leader or if it's uh, um, easygoing or if it's independent or if it's inspirational or people watcher, whatever it might be, if you find yourself that one of those areas is not being expressed or met, or you cannot uh, see that happening in your life, it may be because somebody's stepping on your air hose. Now, here's the deal. The only way to be able to understand that is to identify what makes you tick and what ticks you off. When you have somebody stepping on your air hose, that's when you're getting ticked off. And so as you evaluate your relationships and situations, the goal would be is to say, okay, for me, I've had circumstances where I've been told I need to quit something or that I'm not good enough at it or whatever, and it just drives me up the wall. It, it just it depresses and discourages me to no end. And so I find why, because I, a faithfulness and being perseverant for me is something that's very important in my relationship with my wife, even in, in to the degree that I pastor the church, and, and just sticking through stuff as un, ugly as it may be and unglorious as it may look and just shabby and lousy. My goal is to try to hang in there. Uh, if if I find people criticizing or not encouraging, uh, I find that it's really a struggle. If people are being insincere with me or asking me to be insincere, I really struggle, and that's like somebody stepping on my air hose. So I'll, I'll I think you get the point. But could it be that somebody's stepping on your hose? What's amazing is I've seen in my relationships where things haven't gone well, and and I'll, I'll I hate to say, but I'm not naive enough in two ways. Number one is I've hurt people in my past. I've hurt relationships, and I've tried to to make amends to those relationships and ask for forgiveness, and I've forgiven, but because of just how life goes, sometimes those relationships didn't recover, and it breaks my heart, and I know I've hurt other people, and there's even to the point, I'll say this again with the naivety issue, I'm not naive enough to think that there are people that I've hurt not even knowing that I've hurt them, but I believe in each case what it's come back to is I inadvertently or just because of the situation or how it worked out, I was stepping on somebody's air hose. And and for them, it had to be a, a, a trying to fix the situation. And me, there have been many cases where I fixed the situation, I stopped stepping on the air hose and acknowledged that 
that um, that strength in that person and gave space and margin to them. There have been other times where people said, listen, you're stepping on my hands. And for me, because of my position as a pastor, because of the situation uh, that I was in, I, I couldn't. And so it ended up being something where they had to make the change. And it, I didn't take it personal, didn't make it personal, but it just wasn't a good fit uh, for the time, whatever the situation might have been. So as we think about this, getting all that out of the way, it's all foundational. My goal is to go through and look at that there's these countries then. So you understand the air hose issue, but then to understand the country, you've got a home country and an adopted country. When you are able to be expressed in your home country uh, and live there, you do really well. You're healthy emotionally, spiritually, even, even physically. You're healthy in your relationships. But if you can't live there, then you go to an adopted country. If for whatever reason somebody has a stronger personality or a circumstance dictates you cannot express yourself and be in, in control or be at peace or have fun or, or be perfect, you're going to go to an adopted country. And what's interesting, and this will probably be for another episode down the road, but if you cannot be in your home country, your adopted country, if you continue in a situation that's not healthy, you continue in a relationship that's not healthy, you will watch categorically go from one country to another country and finally get to the point where you're in a space that is totally uncomfortable for you. Now, there's two ways to look at it. One is the Bible describes that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a comforter because we'll go through uncomfortable situations. So that is true. We need the Holy Spirit but on the other hand, on the flip side of that coin is this, is you want to work from your sweet spot. You want to work as God created you. You want to work and do things as God wired you. So if you're good at music, you want to be involved with music, whether it's professionally or as an amateur or maybe as a ministry. If you don't like kids, you should not be involved in childcare. You shouldn't be involved in uh, teaching kids, possibly. Um, so there are maybe things in your life where you say, I'm really uncomfortable right now. So maybe it's that God's working on you to uh, help you grow and help you mature, or maybe that you need to relocate and be doing something totally different or be in a different relationship because it's just not healthy. That's all for another time, uh, another episode. But let me jump in, hit the, hit the four countries, and hopefully you'll find that one of these countries rings true for you. Then we'll talk about how the countries interact with each other a little bit. And when you have a home country, an adopted country, what those look like, and uh, there's some very key uh, components to saying people in that have these different country combinations are, would be what you'd find in different um, sectors of the business sectors or uh, the entertainment industry, and we'll talk about that as we go along. So let's jump in. The first country we're going to look at, which is the smallest uh, percentage of the population, would be the control country. This country, if you can picture in your mind's eye, close your eyes for just a minute, is a square it's a black box, and in this black box, you have a little character who's riding on a bulldozer. Now, in this control country, this person, this controller who rides on a bulldozer, everything to them is black and white. Their vehicle of choice is, as you we've mentioned, is the bulldozer. Their, their whole thing is just get it done. That's, that's how they see life. We want to just get it done by any means necessary. For them, their greatest need in life is appreciation for what they do. They like thanks. They like gratitude. The, the difficulty is in their relationship with other people, they're going to do things for people that people may not want done for them. And, and in situations, some situations that may not be healthy uh, and it may not be helpful for uh, the control person to help somebody in need. Or it may be a situation as an employer, as a boss, or as a leader where they have to make some very hard decisions and do things that nobody likes and kind of clean house but that has to be done and nobody else will do it. And so this person steps in and they do the hard stuff and they get it done. It's difficult, it's ugly, it's not fun, but they're able to get it done. At their best, they're a born leader. They love to be able to take control. And when there's there's disorganization, when there's lack of direction, they step up, they set goals, and they get people moving in the right direction. These people, they have tons of confidence. They're very self-assured. They can be goal setters, maybe even independent, where they say, listen, if nobody's going to come help me, I'll just do this myself. They're very quick to action. They don't struggle with indecision, and they have a tendency to be very bold and very much, uh, this is what, what we like to do. They love bullet points. Uh, they don't like long explanations. They don't have a long attention span because they want to get to work. They want to get stuff done. At their worst, here's the flip side, the negative side. At their worst, they're bossy, they're impatient, they're quick-tempered, 
demanding, they're a know-it-all, and they can be very arrogant. And so if you're not a controller and you have somebody in your life who's bossy, impatient, quick-tempered, demanding, and know-it-all, and arrogant, and you say, what's the deal? You're dealing with somebody who's, who's got the strength of control. That what's, that's what makes them tick. But for whatever reason, something's ticking them off, and so they're expressing their strength in a very negative way as being bossy or impatient, quick-tempered, and so they're just not, they're not, they're not um, processing their strength. They're not expressing their strength of control. They're actually just in a weak spot. So maybe it's immaturity. Maybe it's lack of um, understanding. Maybe uh, for them, they're just in an unhealthy place, unhealthy relationship. And so uh, because they can't express their control, as I mentioned earlier, if they're not able to be in their home country of control, it may be that they're acting out, trying to get back to their home country and be in charge. The next country, which is the next largest percentage, again, there are not a lot of people in our country, and we'll talk about um, these, these, um, what these people are like, uh, control people, soldiers, bosses, employers, leaders. Fun country, fun people will be entertainers, uh, comedians, people that are very active, uh, maybe even sports players, athletes, because they like to be on the moves. Fun country, think of it as this, it's the shape of a star. Think of a yellow star and the individual there, their vehicle of choice is a jet because they like to get from point A to point B as fast as possible. For these people, as they, they, their go-to phrase is, hey, let's just have fun. The go-to phrase for control is, let's get it done. The fun country is, let's have fun. They just want to have a good, a good time. They are a party looking for a place to happen. These people, they smile, they laugh. Uh, maybe you say, well, I'm not really funny, I'm not really laughy, um, but I like being busy, I like doing stuff. I maybe struggle with ADHD, um, attention deficit disorder. And so uh, this may be you, where you just constantly have to be busy, you have to be on the go. You don't, you're, it's never a dull moment. One of my kids, their primary, um, primary thing is never a dull moment. And when they are in their sweet spot, they are hilarious and fun to be around. When they're struggling, they are a bear, a bear to be around, because uh, if they have to sit still, or if we're not going anywhere special or doing something special, they're kind of like they get depressed and sad. And if they don't know what's going on, uh, they really struggle. So that's understanding my child. Um, that's got part of this fun country. At their best, they are very enthusiastic. They are going to be the cheerleader. They are going to be the loud. (laughs) They're going to be very outgoing, very optimistic. They see the glasses half full. They look at stuff, and they see what's right about life, what's joyful about life. They have a lot of joy. They're very inspirational. Um, They're great. They've got a great sense of humor. They love people, and people love them. They're fun to be around. They're very sincere at heart. At their worst, when they're not doing well, when they can't be in their fun country because of circumstances or relationship, whatever it might be, at their worst, they'll talk too much. These are your kids in class who cannot stop talking. They maybe exaggerate things. They tell a tall tale because they want attention. And they may even seem phony at times. And that sincerity at heart is conflicted because they're trying to come across as something that they're not. They can be very forgettable and irresponsible. Uh, They sometimes lack discipline, and they easily are distracted. And for these people, uh, just like I mentioned before, the control country, they need appreciation for what they do. The fun country who, hey, let's just have fun, they want attention for the way they act. They want attention, and they want people's eyes, and to some degree a little bit, um, they might want just to be acknowledged, and they want to be aware that people see them. And they want a sense of, hey, I, I see you, you matter. And so if you've got somebody in your life and you are, uh, they are fun, they are going to be in your face, waving their hands, lighting themselves on fire, going crazy because they want your attention. Now, if you're a fun person and you say, boy, I, I feel like sometimes I just, I'm always on the go and I'm always having fun, but nobody sees life as I do. This is because this is how God wired has wired you. Now, again, understand with both the control and the fun. These people, you're going to find uh, yourself, you're going to have to find your tribe because not a lot of people are going to be fun. Uh, for the fun people, you are just kind of like you laugh maybe at a funeral, which which is kind of horrible, but you might laugh through a funeral. You'll laugh at the most inappropriate times, but you will see the funny side of life. And in the right way, you can express that and really help the rest of us see life as you see it and and help us laugh. In In our country, I really... Uh, see it this time over this last decade or so, you see people looking more and more for comedy and comedians. So whether it's a, a, rom, a romantic comedy movie 
or uh, something that's a funny movie, just a straight-up comedy movie, or even comedians, there's just this um, greater uh, a sense and awareness. You know, on Netflix, there's all kind of comedy specials, and there's a lot of clean comedians coming out now um, that are really they're really hilarious and funny. We all love to laugh. And what's interesting about it is even if maybe we're not funny, we like to laugh, though, because we like to express that emotion. It gives us a, a relief from the busyness uh, of life. And so that's that's kind of where the fun country is at. They want attention, and they want to lighten the situation. The next largest group of people, now again, each one of these countries, as we move through, they become larger and larger percent of the population, and you'll understand why in just a minute. The next country is the perfect country. This is this is my home country. This is my place. Now, if you think about the perfect country, it's going to be the shape of a diamond, this beautiful, sparkling diamond. And these people, they look at life uh, through this sense of idealism and perfectionism. Their mode of transportation is a train. Now, these people, and I'll talk about a train in just a minute, these people will be accused of being control freaks and micromanagers, and this is how you know if they are a control or a perfectionist. If you call these people a micromanager or a control freak and they get offended, they're a perfectionist. They're not a control freak. Now, if you call somebody who's a controller, a control freak, or a micromanager, and they say, yeah, loud and proud, then they're a controller. They're not a perfectionist. Uh, if they're a perfectionist, they're going to get offended at you, at what you say and at you calling them a controller because these people, one of the negatives is they get they can get offended easily. So with the perfect country, their uh, vehicle of choice is a, is a train. Now, here's the deal. They want to put one rail on the left side and another rail on the right side, and it has to be equidistant just perfectly, just right apart to move the train forward. And so they lay down, they clear the clear the trail, they put down the gravel for the uh, railroad bed, and they put down the piece of timber, and then they put one rail down and nail it in, they put the other nail down, and they move the train forward. These people, that's how they move forward. They have game plans, they have goals that they set, and so there's always a sense of what are we doing? There's These people are big-time planners. Now, uh, I'll mention for these what they need, their greatest need as I mentioned before, just by way of review, the greatest need for the controller is appreciation for what they do. The greatest need for fun is attention and acknowledgement for the way they act. The need of the uh, perfect country is approval and consideration for my feelings, approval of what I do, and to be sensitive to my feelings. That's what they need. So these people, they're going to be your chefs and your artists and your architects, your people that are musicians, and they create things, and they do things, and they're very idealistic. These are going to be your out, uh, altruistic um, people who go after big causes and try to start movements, and these are going to be people, even in, in my uh, realm, uh, pastors are, can, can fit this category very well, because to understand the scriptures, you have to really study the minutiae and the details, and you have to get things right, and you have to look very correctly. The Bible says, rightly dividing the word of truth, and that there's uh, you have to understand things and understand theology. So with this perfectionist country, they 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 take things very personal. But they can they can measure twice and cut once. They can pull off the most beautiful things. For them, uh, for the fun people, it was hey, let's just have fun. For the control people, it's let's get it done. And for the perfect country, it's let's get it right. We need to get it right. It's not about just getting it done. It's definitely not about having fun because we don't have time for fun. We need to get it right. And so we measure twice, cut once. But make sure you consider my feelings and that you approve of what I'm doing. With this country at their best, these people they're faithful. They show up and they do their job, and they get the job done well. They're very persistent. These are problem solvers. These are your detectives, your mechanics, your plumbers, your technicians, your people who are counselors, and they solve problems for people. They're very idealistic. They have a very uh, particular way that they view life. They can be highly opinionated, and for these people, this is how they see life. The problem is they kind of are similar to the control people is that they could be totally wrong, but they hold strongly to their opinion. They're very creative, they're very organized, and they're also very thoughtful. These people can be very, at times, very um, introverted. That is, they dwell on their thoughts, and they think things through. That's a part of their nature because they measure twice, cut once, so they really think things through, but maybe before they speak, they think things through before they do something. But here's the flip side. Just like for each of the other countries, at their worst, 
They remember negatives. These people are very historical and they get very hysterical. They can be somewhat moody at times, kind of like your cat, where uh, you might catch them and they're doing well and hey, they're 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 fulfilled and they're fine. Or you might catch them another day and you think, man, what's the deal? These people they can turn on you in a minute. Uh, you might confuse them and say, but they're maybe they're bipolar. There are legitimate cases where I believe people are bipolar and struggle with that chemical imbalance. But there are people who come from a perfect country where if you have a friendship with somebody or a relationship, maybe you're married to somebody that's like this or have a kid, where you come and they're really excited and they show you a picture or something they've done or they give you an idea. If you give them negative feedback or criticism and all of a sudden they turn on you and you think, man, they must be bipolar. Well, maybe. But more than likely than not is because you gave them critical feedback, you didn't approve of them, you weren't sensitive to them, you stepped on their toes, then they just flip around and they struggle. They also can be very critical. They have a critical eye to see things. The problem is they can dish it out, but they can't take it. How do I know this? Because I am one. They can be depressed easily when things don't go well. They feel guilty sometimes for having fun or for not working hard. They carry a lot of guilt around for maybe not doing things right or for rushing something. They sometimes will plan way too long. And so when it comes to working a work situation, if you've got a coworker who is a perfectionist, you, you think, man, what's the deal? Why aren't they moving on this? They can also be indecisive because they're afraid of not doing the right thing. They struggle with FOMO and FOBO. <laughs> The fear of missing out and the fear of a better offer sometimes because they want to make sure they get the right thing. They'll check prices and double and triple check. Their standards may be too high for themselves and for other people. They can be very, very insecure around people. So again, with this country, they need approval. They need sensitivity to their feelings. They want to get it right and they want to have hope. If these people, by the way, these people, if they don't have hope, a plan to move forward, these are people who will, I'll put it this way, um, if you know somebody who struggles with depression, maybe suicidal thoughts, here's just a little bit of insight. Now, again, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a therapist or psychologist, psychiatrist. But in my experience in working with people, um, church members and counseling people and just observing life, that if people don't have a plan moving forward, they'll easily um, struggle with their relationship and get divorced or they'll want to at some point maybe take their life because they just can't see how things will move forward. If they're stuck in a job, they might quit a job prematurely. They may quit on a project prematurely because if they get stuck and they can't figure it out, they just they'll 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 cut bait and, and move on. They'll just they'll just cut and release. Then the last country of all, and the most um, most populated country, um, and it's really when I say this and I give a little bit of background to it, you're going to say, "Oh, that's why our country is the way it is today," is the peace country. The peace country, imagine a cloud, a peaceful, fluffy cloud, and this character, this peaceful person in the peace country, their vehicle of choice is an Italian gondola being floated down the canals of Venice. You think about this person, they may be laying in a hammock, and in one hand is a, a lemonade, and the other one, they're mowing the lawn. It's not that they're lazy. They're just very efficient in what they're doing, and so they, they're very peaceful, they're very slow to move around. Maybe you think of like a sloth where they're they're fun-loving, they're very lovable, they're very peaceful people, but they maybe talk slow, and you know where they're going with their talk before they ever get there. Then Maybe they're not very good at joke-telling. You need to go to your fun people. So with these folks, their vehicle choice is like a gondola. They just want to sail through life. It's smooth sailing. They just want placid peacefulness. Uh, their greatest need for these people is respect for who I am, respect for who I am. How they see life, hey, let's just get along. Control, let's get it done. Fun, let's have fun. Perfect, let's get it right. Peace, let's get along. Why can't we just be we be friends? Why can't we be friends? This is like, that's their theme song, as opposed to the fun country, which is celebrate good times. There's my, my music coming out for you. All right, so you, you got the idea. Um, so their need for these peace people is respect for who I am. They want to be respected, um, at their best. These people are awesome. These are super fun. The The other reason why I'm going to tease and make fun of peace is because that's my adopted country. I'm very high. So I'm super high. When I took the test, you get numbers per country. So I'm very high. I'm like 119 rating for perfect country. I'm something like 114 for peace, and then fun is like a 107. So I've got, I'm pretty high on this top three. My control is in the toilet. 
Like my control is like a 37 or 38. Uh, I'm kind of working on it, but my wife's got more control than I do. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to let her do the control aspects of life. And when I need to control, and I'll save it for another episode, but when I have to do control, I don't do control well. When I have to be in control, uh, be a controller and like get stuff done, um, I'm like, I turn into like mean, nasty Hulk pastor. It's kind of like Dr. Bruce Banner goes and becomes the Hulk. Like if I have to, um, can't be friendly to people and have to rush something, or if I have to to confront an issue, it doesn't go well. It's like I go and I drop a bomb or use a cannonball, and people are like, "Man, why is he being so mean and angry?" Well, it's because it's not my sweet spot. But if you ask me to get something done or to make peace with somebody or have fun, sing a song, I'm your guy. All right, so back to peace country. With peace, um, again, they want respect for who they are at their best. Uh, these people are super competent. Uh, many times there's going to be a combination of peace and control, or I'm sorry, of peace and perfect because uh, the perfectionist um, has ideals and they are very technical. And so these people, the peace people, are very competent. They, they uh, as a side note, they love people to come to them and ask for advice as like the wise old sage, uh, Mr. Miyagi or Yoda, uh, the mentor. They love people coming to them. They feel respected when they're asked for advice. And so if you've got somebody in your life who's kind of like, hey, why don't you listen to my advice and you don't listen to them and then your relationship goes bad and you can't figure out why they don't talk to you anymore, probably because they felt you disrespected them. Okay, moving on. So with these people, they're very consistent. They can be witty at times, really maybe a dry sense of humor. They're patient, peaceful, and they're a super good listener. So your counselor types, um, your people that are like, hey, this is a really good friend. Um, At times when I was in junior high and high school, with the girls and the dating scene, uh, I thought, man, being a good listener, this makes me really uh, prime for dating. But it actually made me prime for being just a really good friend and nothing more. And it's kind of seen like as a teddy bear. Like girls would come talk to me and pour their heart out, and I'd be like, oh man, this is going somewhere. And they're like, oh, that was a good talk. You know, like you're just like a brother to me. And that was about it. So, uh, on the worst side though, uh, for these people, they're fearful and worried. These are not risk takers. Your controllers, risk takers. Your fun people, really ready to take a risk. Peace people, they will drag their feet. They worry very easily. Uh, they can be very anxious. They struggle with making decisions. Very indecisive because the control people, they're going to step in and just take the bull by the horns. If they get it wrong, they'll figure it out and dig their way out. These people can struggle with feeling possibly like a victim at times because um, they got in a situation and the circumstances overwhelmed them. They may be very shy and very introverted at times, too shy. Uh, very little self-motivation. These people may need a lot of encouragement at times to get them moving. They resent being pushed, though, and they resist change very much. So so as much as they have these things that make them tick, on the flip side, the things that make them ticked off. So if you have somebody that's really resisting you, you're probably dealing with somebody who's peaceful. They're, they're a peace person, and they may take a long time. And as I even talk about this, I have people in mind uh, that I know of, and I'm thinking, you know, again, uh, some of these peace aspects, uh, I have them, some of them I don't. And so even as I read through it, I think, okay, this is why I'm, I'm having this problem with this person in this relationship, or this is why I really get along and I love hanging out with this individual. So here's a here's a uh, the the a big statement to kind of drop a bomb uh, on this um, whole all these countries. We love our country, our home and adopted country, but we feel there is something fundamentally flawed with the others. That people who are in their country are messed up, and that they should know better. And if they just came to my country, then everything would be right in the world. Uh, there's a book by a guy I read earlier this year, super good, um, a guy named John Ortberg. He is a pastor, I think, in California. And the title of the book is, I'd Like You More If You Are More Like Me. And on the front is a picture of like a German shepherd looking down at a cat. Um, and so, so the whole concept is talking about intimacy, not not in necessarily a sexual way, but uh, interaction, engagement, and relationships, our connection to God, our intimacy with God. Um, but he talks about how we're so wired so differently. So what's amazing is with the peace country, we'll just back up for a minute and talk about these guys, and then we'll talk about the country combinations, and then we'll call it quits for today. The peace guy. So there's a big conflict going down, 
and the four countries are all getting involved. Control country wants to just get it done. Fun country wants to say, hey, let's have fun. Perfect country says, hey, wait a minute here. Let's think this through. The peace country, they go and hide. They are Switzerland. <laughs> they are the non-combative. And so what happens is they're going to they're gonna stand by and watch everybody duke it out and bloody each other and make their case. And then when everything's said and done, whoever's last standing, uh, the last man standing or woman, uh, the peace country say, okay, I'm going to side with these people. So, so that's one aspect of how things go turn out. But another aspect is if these guys are playing Survivor and they're looking for alliances, the control country is going to come along and say to the peace country, hey, you need to be more controlling. You need to be more um, willing to get stuff done. You should be more bold and more confident. Come on, you can be confident. Can't you be confident? And the peace person says, well, like, yeah, yeah, I, I guess I can. I'll, I'll come hang out with you and be in an alliance with you. But eventually what will happen is they'll push and push and push and say, you know what? You're not confident enough. You need to be more controlling. Just like I faced earlier, that earlier story I told you, being told, hey, you need to be more like this. And it just it just set me uh, in a wrong frame of mind. The fun person will come along and tell the peace country, hey, you need to relax and just lighten up a little bit. Don't be so worried and so anxious. Let's just have fun. Just let it go. Things will work out okay. And the Peace person's like, okay, maybe I am getting a little too torqued up. But then when their car runs out of gas and they throw a, a piston or their house burns down because they were too relaxed, uh, then they're going to the fun country and saying, look what you did to me. I can't believe this. I shouldn't have listened to you. And it just, it just, um, they get bent. Or the perfect country comes and says, hey, you need to be, you need to be more uh, detail oriented. You need to pay more attention to be more cautious. And they're saying, but I'm already worried enough. You think I need to be more worried about stuff? And they're going, yeah, you need to be more worried about stuff. And so we find for the peace country then, they get jerked around all these different ways. And eventually, if they get pushed too far, peace, happy, getting along country is going to turn into nasty country. And as I mentioned before, uh, this is uh, me. Like I said, when I when I get pushed in my control, I turn into mean pastor. It's because of this peace aspect. So for these people... If you've got somebody who's maybe old, a little bit older in life and they're very bitter, very cantankerous, and you think, man, at one time they were super sweet and they were really compliant and then they really loved life, it's probably because they got pushed too far somewhere. Or maybe somebody who went through a, like a really nasty divorce situation or a bad relationship, a friendship just didn't go uh, well, and they're so bitter and so jaded, it's probably because they struggled in this area and they just got pushed too far and they were broken. With peace people, you got to be super careful because it's like a it's like a sapling. You can bend it only so far, and it'll bend back. But if you push people too far and they break, they're going to be walking with a limp. Then they're going to have some scars and some some uh, baggage that they're going to struggle with in life. So here's some quick rundown: country combinations with home and your adopted country, and then what these people are like. Country combination, we've got uh, perfect and control. These are the world's strongest willed people. Think about your soldiers. You're strong-willed people. They are controlling. Let's get it done, and let's get it right. Let's get that uniform, tip-top shape, and we have to do this. We have to be disciplined because there's chaos on the battlefield. The next combination would be control fun. These are the world's greatest leaders, people that they get it done, but they have fun doing it. Uh, again, these are like these are like your uh, white whale kind of thing uh, from Moby Dick. These people are super rare to be able to find. But if you've had a teacher or you've had a coach or somebody that's in in your life that's been control and they've been fun, they these people make an incredible, just huge impact um, on their world because they are people we want to follow, we want to be like, we want them to be our mentor. So these are the world's greatest leaders where they are control and fun. Then you have your fun peace combination people. And again, uh, these can be control perfect or perfect control. They can be control fun or fun and control. So they kind of go either way, but what it ends up is uh, what I'm describing here as the the description uh, for fun peace or peace fun, world's most lovable people. These are your teddy bears. These are the people that you say, man, they are so much fun to be with. They give gifts. They make you laugh. Uh, if you're lonely or depressed, you want to go hang out with these people. Um, if you're, this is how you're wired. You love to be with people. You love to dote on people. You love to help people out. Um, you love to be loved, and you love to love other people. Then you have your peace, perfect or perfect peace. These are the world's greatest workers. This is where this is my realm. These are your greatest tasker people. Now I'll just say this as a side note. 
even if you're not uh, got control in your in your makeup, like for me, control is not very high. But I'm a leader. I'm a pastor, and so in my realm, uh, being a, a worker as a perfect peace person, I've got certain strengths that I have. Now I also need to acknowledge that there are things I'm not good at, and I need to delegate and get people involved and help me with those areas. But just because you might not have control or be in a leading uh, type of position uh, for your your countries doesn't mean you shouldn't be a leader. So I'm not saying you say like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be a leader. Then no, continue to lead. Um, if you're struggling in your leadership position, it may be something where you say, well, maybe I need to go try something else, and, and you can course correct from there. Then we've got control piece, which is your uh, managers and owners. These are the world's best managers and owners because they get stuff done, but they also help people get along. So they take a group of people, and they move them in the right direction. So if you've got got conflict amongst the employees, the owner, the manager steps in, and they really help smooth things over. This also, for those of you out there that really struggle with maybe your boss or a manager at work, uh, it could be that it's a person who's in the wrong seat on the bus. And that is if they're just real super self-centered, they just want a lot of attention, um, they're fun, but they're just not really, like think of Michael Scott from The Office, <laughs> just to use a pop culture reference. Um, these people, they, they really cause more problems. It could be that, that they need significance and they need approval and attention. And so it's just not a good fit for them, but the world's best man, these people are looking out for the best of other people and the, the good ones, you'll see them and you'll be able to point them out. Then the last combination is the perfect fun. These are the world's best entertainers. It's a comedian who can memorize an hour long or more, uh, uh, sketches, a whole group of sketches and be able to have timing and pacing. This is a person who's uh, can memorize music and they can be able to perform at a concert, uh, your singers and performers, and so they can memorize a routine, a, a, a dancer, ballet, and they can pull it off because they can memorize these uh, very intricate uh, steps and, and processes, but then be able to pull it off, and they love people's attention. They love to be out front. They love to um, get the approval and attention of people. Um, and so that's the perfect fun combination. So that is kind of it for our discussion on what makes you tick and what kind of ticks you off. Um, we didn't really get into the tick off kind of part just yet. So this is going to really dovetail with, uh, what we talk about in our next episode, where we talk about how to make our relationships healthy again. If you've got relationships with people now, the key here is I heard this, uh, kind of statement, this thought a couple of weeks ago, we've got to look at life, um, either through one or two lenses, if uh, kind of games, if you will, like game boards. If we look at life and relationships as checker, as a checkerboard or checker pieces, we look at people and we think, well, they're all just alike. They're all just the same. But the reality is that there's no two people that are the same. Now, even with, and we'll talk about this more in the next episode, even with this, uh, these country combinations, there's also strength of these countries. So you could have a controlling person who's not very strong in their expression of their control, and you've got a peace person who's much stronger. So there could be this massive power struggle between these two countries um, because it's just the strength of personality involved. But again, what we'll find is if you treat people like checker pieces, you're going to think, well, well, everybody um, is like this, and, and yet you're having conflict because, again, people need to be treated according to how they view life. If you've ever heard of Gary Chapman with the five love languages, that plays into this whole thing. Uh, we're going to really dive into in the next episode how to understand what people want and what they'll what they'll settle for, what we resist to give people, and the reality of our relationships, and really how to get our our relationships back on par to a healthy level of expectation and of give and take and of of, of really to be able to have harmony and health in our relationships. And so uh, I'd love to be able to get some feedback from you. You can email me at info at mattmanny.com. You can check out my blog. I've got a lot of different articles about personality and personal development, about some of these topics and things. Also, you can go to flagpage.com to take your own test and let me know what your results are. I'd love to hear from you and find out if this has really helped you in your relationships with other people. Also, for this podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe to review, uh, rate and review, subscribe, subscribe, rate and review. Once you subscribe, you'll get the download. Uh, the podcast will be delivered right to you. And so um, you'll be able to listen to this as soon as they roll out. 
and then also to rate it and review. Give us uh, by giving us a good rating and also giving us a review that helps um, the different uh, podcast platforms that this podcast is distributed on to put it into more people's hands. And as it gets into more people's hands, we can be able to help more people to leverage their past, fulfill their purpose, and really unmask their potential. So if this has helped you the best thing you could do is to be able to pass it on. I'd love for you to share this with your friends and to be able to get feedback from them, listen to it together, and go back through and take some notes and just uh, jot down some mental notes and say, okay, this is this is where I'm at or this is where I'm struggling with in life. Once again, I thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I really I say this from my heart, that we'll uh, get the chance to connect through conversations. So as much feedback as you can give me and say, hey, I want to know more about this issue or that issue, or you didn't explain this enough, and I, I really want you to explain this uh, for us on an on a upcoming episode. So please let me know, because truly my heart is to help you and to be able to serve you and give you hope in whatever way I can to have a healthy view of yourself, of your relationships, and of your walk with Jesus. I love you. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Unmasked Life Podcast. Join us next time for more great content that will help you leverage your past, fulfill your purpose, and unmask your potential.